Um, as I mentioned, we're in Colossians 4. If you have your phone apps or your Bibles, you can open up. And uh, as you look at this, you might think, this is going to be the most boring sermon I've ever heard in my life. As you look at the text, because it's a bunch of names. Speaking of names, um, have you ever wished that you'd be honored or commemorated on a wall of fame? Like this next picture? That next picture? That one, yeah. There. On a wall of fame like in your high school, whether it be for band or for forensics or for drama or for sports or for academics, it's every kid's dreamed that they'd be honored on the wall of fame or the hall of fame. And uh, how many here, for example, are in your school's hall of fame? Raise your hand. Yeah, me neither. So, none of But, you know, as we look at this list of names at the end of Colossians, chapter 4, starting from 7, there's a bunch of names. There are 10 names, nine of which are in God's wall of fame, so to speak. But it's way better than a high school wall of fame because the wall of fame is going to endure forever. It says eternal word. And I suspect that them, as well as people like them, will be honored on God's wall of fame for all eternity, whatever that may look like in heaven. There are 10 names where God would say, well done, good and faithful servants. Two of them were carriers of Paul's letters. Woo-hoo! Tychicus and Onesimus. Uh, one, Onesimus being a, a slave who turned brother in Christ. Uh, and then there are three Jewish traveling companions Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice. Uh, Paul says in verse 11, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. And then among Paul's traveling companions, were th- there were three Gentiles listed, Epaphras, Luke, and Demas. And then there were two residential leaders in Colossae that Paul recognized, Nympha, who was a female church leader, and Archippus. Paul once again demonstrated that he practiced what he preached here because in this list of names, we have Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, male and female. And in Christ, they're no longer Jew or Gentile. They're no longer slave and free. They're no longer male and female as far as hierarchy. You know, we're all level at the foot of the cross. And so this is what Paul was demonstrated by those who followed him and those he honored as well. So let's list briefly these who would be included in God's Hall of Fame. And then after I get done going through these 10 names bullet point, then I'll invite Don Bland over here to come and share uh, an example of what this looks like in our community. So first is Tychicus, one who served. Colossians 4, 7. I'd like you to ask, who do I most identify with in, in these list of names? Tychicus will tell you all the news about me, Paul says. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus is mentioned five different times in uh, Paul's letters in the Bible. Here, he's mentioned because he was a faithful carrier of Paul's letter from Rome to Colossae, some 1,300 miles away. He was not a high-profile person. He was not a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, a prophet, an apostle. 
Yet he was faithful to the task that God had called him to. That is to carry Paul's letter back to Colossae, which would incidentally become a part of God's eternal word of God, the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians. So good responsibility. Um, He was called a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in this first verse. And his faithfulness led him to be on God's eternal wall of fame, mentioned in his books. We may not feel like we are qualified because we're not pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles. But God says, you know, I don't measure the way humans measure. I measure those who serve and who are obedient to the task to which I've called. The next next name is Onesimus. We looked at him a couple of weeks ago. One who trusted and obeyed. In verse 9, Tychicus is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. As you recall, Onesimus was an escaped slave from Colossae who stole from his master and he traveled some thousands plus miles away to Rome. But when he was in Rome, he came across Paul the Apostle. He heard the gospel. He repented and his life was forever transformed. So Paul could have referred to Onesimus as this escaped, disobedient slave who was being returned to his master. But instead, Paul referred to him as a faithful and dear brother, one who is now one of us. And he says, by the way, to his owner, he said, treat him like a brother now, because in Christ, there's no more of this stuff going on. We're all level. We're all equal. Have you ever trusted in Jesus as your Savior? Have you allowed him to change your life? And if you have, is it evident in your obedience what he calls you to do? Even if it means delivering a message to someone else in the name of Christ. And then Paul writes of three Jewish companions that followed him. Paul always had these disciples that he poured into. First was Aristarchus, one who was present. Verse 10, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends his greetings. He was with Paul in prison. His name always seems to pop up in Paul's writings when Paul is in crisis. Another time in Acts 19, in connection with an Ephesian mob that was opposing Paul, there was Aristarchus alongside Paul. And then in Acts 27, when Paul Paul was sailing to Rome under Roman custody as a prisoner, there was my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, with him in the boat. God raised up Aristarchus to remain with Paul. It's the ministry of presence as those who are going through difficult times. Do you know anyone who's struggling with difficulty for any reason? How might God be calling you to practice the ministry of presence? Yeah, but I don't know what to say, God. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what to say if I call. They don't don't care what you want to say, but they care about the ministry of presence. Another uh, Jew was Mark, one who reconciled. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Mark. What can we learn from Mark in the rest of Scripture? We can learn a lot. In Acts 13 and 15, Mark had a falling out with Paul, the apostle. Mark had accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey, but Mark lost 
courage, and so he went back home. He deserted the mission. This infuriated Paul because Mark proved to be unfaithful and irresponsible. But as time passed, um, another follower of Paul, Barnabas, who was, was the cousin to Mark, Barnabas told Paul, hey, my cousin Mark, he, he's doing a whole lot better. He got his head on straight. He wants to return to our, for our second missionary journey. Paul would have none of that. He said, no way. This dude is irresponsible, and, he's, um, and I cannot trust him. He's untrustworthy. And so Paul and Barnabas, they started to argue about this, and there was a great split between these two brothers, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, who encouraged Paul in the faith, they were now opposed to each other. And they went their separate ways. Barnabas said, well, I'll do my missionary trip over here in the name of Christ with my cousin Mark. And Paul says, well, I will choose Silas and I will go this direction. It wasn't until some years later, after God had done some heart surgery on the Apostle Paul and Mark, that Paul's heart was softened, not only to forgive Mark, but also to long for reconciliation with Mark. Later we read in 2 Timothy, Timothy, Paul writes, get Mark and bring him with you because he has been helpful to me in my ministry. There was reconciliation. There was peace made. And God chose Mark not only to be reconciled, but to pen the second gospel, the gospel of Mark. Even after Mark's downfall, God says, I'm going to choose him to give my story. And then there was another Jew named Justice, or Jesus, one who comforted. Jesus, who was called Justice, not the Jesus Christ, but Jesus, he said, man, how would you like to be born with that name? No, just call me Justice, whatever, you know? These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they proved to comfort me. Justice was one who comforted Paul. Who do you think of when you need to be comforted? Who have you gone to in the past? And what was it about that person that brought comfort to you? What were the characteristics and traits? Well, who can you be to others using those same characteristics? The ministry of comfort. And then there were three Gentiles, companions of Paul. Epaphras, one who prayed. Verse 12, Epaphras is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus. He sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God and mature and, and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Epaphras came, Epaphras came from Colossae. He traveled 1,300 miles to Rome to uh, get a hearing with Paul. As Paul was in prison, he said, um, Paul, we need to hear from you in Colossae because our church is a mess. Where there are false prophets coming in. So Paul, could you write a message to us that I might bring it back to my people and encourage them? Epaphras, though, he wrestled in prayer for the church. He engaged in athletic contest. That's what wrestling means here. It, it was a laboring Fervently, It was an entering into spiritual battle because prayer is battle and it's work sometimes. When was the last time you wrestled in prayer for someone in the middle of the night when God stirred you awake? 
When was the last time you turned the TV off or the radio off and you just prayed and prayed? And when you didn't feel like praying, you prayed some more because of your compassion for someone. This is who Epaphras was to Paul. That's why he made it in God's Hall of Fame. Luke, he was uh, another one. One who cared for my tangible needs, this Gentile Luke. Our dear friend, Luke the doctor. God saw to it that Paul had support around him. Not only spiritually, not only emotionally, but someone who was able to care for him physically. He was a doctor, Paul, Luke was. We are holistic beings. You know, the Greeks would separate the mind, body, and soul. Say, what, what you do in the body is irrelevant, but because, you know, the soul and the spirit are more important, whatever, you know. Uh, but, but the Jews, they looked at people as holistic beings, mind, body, and soul. There's not one part more important than the other. And that's why when it says, when Jesus returns one day, the dead in Christ from the graves, they will come out of their graves, their bodies. The bodies that you have right now will go on for eternity, but they will be perfected as they join our spirits who, are, who would be in heaven prior to that event. When we die, immediately our spirits go to heaven, and somehow we get the spirit body, but then one day we'll be reunited with these bodies. We'll recognize each other in heaven. And so Luke would write the third gospel of Jesus Christ and the book of Acts, who focused on the tangible needs of the poor. And James reminds us in his book, go in peace, keep, he says, don't say to people, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but do nothing about their physical needs. What good is that, he says? Your faith, when it's not accompanied by works, is meaningless, it's dead. We need to care for one's physical needs in the name of Christ. Tangible. And then there was Demas. Verse 14, and Demas sends his greetings. That's all that's, all that's said about Demas here. But later we hear of Demas when Paul wrote to Second Timothy, in Second Timothy, make every effort to keep, to come to me quickly, Timothy, because Demas in his love for the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We're warned throughout Scripture against allowing the word world to invade us and to, and to um, just come in and uh, take over us and woo us away from, from Christ. But that's what the world will do. It's, it's tempting. The systems of the world, the temptations of the world, um, all these things want to keep us away from Christ and from serving him. And we gradually lose our first love without us even knowing it. Remember back your first love when you first met Christ, how on fire you were and I, I was. Don't lose and forsake your first love. The Casting Crown sings a song and the chorus goes, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade and choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Do you feel like Demas sometimes that you've kind of given up, thrown in the towel? You're kind of fading and it's gone. Your love for God and you just want to give it up. If you feel that way, or if you feel like you've lost your first love, then we need to simply ask God to reveal that to us. And then 
to convict us and bring us to repentance so that we can turn back to him. And God's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He will, he will like prodigal son, we can run right back into his open arms when we have fallen away. Demas apparently never did, like John Mark. Mark did, Demas did not. Two more. A woman named Nympha, one who was led. One who led, I mean. One who was a leader. Verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. There are dozens of examples in Scripture of God choosing women to lead, which would have been countercultural to that, that culture, where it was very patriarchal, where women had no rights. But Jesus came and revolutionized the freedom for women. And uh, again, in Christ, there's no longer this male dominating over female because of sin. But now women are restored to be able to serve the way God is calling them and to lead like Nympha. Again, there are many names in the New Testament of women who are leaders. But they're not so prominent that we just read past them because, you know, we don't know who they are. But if you study this, you can realize that, whoa, this is revolutionary stuff here. This would have been very controversial in Paul's day. And yet, that's what he did. So I'm very proud that my wife is pastor now here. She was ordained a word in service yesterday. And we celebrate with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will not call you Nympha, I promise. Have you ever felt unqualified, though, to lead for whatever reason? You just feel like, man, because you're a woman in a men's world, man's world, or because you're whatever, you just feel unqualified to lead um, because you don't feel like you measure up? Well, there's none of that in Christ. In Christ, there's no longer this hierarchy of masters and slaves or Jews over Gentiles or males over females or whatever. You know, none of that any longer. People are level at the foot of the cross. And then Archippus, last one. One who was held accountable. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, tell Archippus who is among you, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received from the Lord. In other words, church, see to it that your leader is held accountable to fulfill his ministry, his assignment. Don't let him slack off. Do you know that we all need to be held accountable? Because on our own, we will slack off. That's why we need the body of Christ. We need each other. We need to get involved in small groups and discipleship groups and Christian formation classes and home groups and whatever. We need each other because alone we'll become undisciplined and lazy. We're part of the body of Christ. An arm cut off will be of no good. It has to be attached to the body. So, if we feel unqualified, and if you feel like, man, I will never make it on God's wall of fame, think of the people that Jesus honored. Just a snapshot before I conclude. Look at this picture. Um, the boy who gave his little lunch to Jesus, and he multiplied it, fed 5,000. Or uh, the widow who had two copper coins worth squat. But Jesus said, man, she gave more than all the others combined. Or, um, uh, what are, and then those who give a cold bottle of water to one of the least of these will be called great to my kingdom, Jesus said. Or the pagan woman who is asking for scraps under the food, uh, scraps of food under the table, I mean, uh, 
Jesus said, man, more faith than anyone. Well done, good and faithful servants. You are not recognized in this world. You are not honored. You are ordinary nobodies in this world, so to speak. But, oh, in my kingdom, you're going to be honored. You are going to be on my wall of fame. So Paul writes of these ten names, nine of whom you'd never heard of before, probably, except for Luke and Mark, maybe. Who would you, what would your description be under your picture on, on God's wall of fame? Would it be like Tychicus, one who served, or Onesimus, one who trusted in Christ and then obeyed? Would it be like Aristarchus, one who had the ministry of presence to others? Or would it be like Mark, one who pursued unity and reconciliation? Or would it be like Justice, one who comforted others? Or Epaphras, one who wrestled in prayer on behalf of others? Would it be like Nympha, one who was a leader by serving? Or would it be like Archippus, one who held, was held accountable and held others accountable? Or will we just say, man, I'm just going to live for me, like Demas? and prove ourselves to be unfaithful, just throw in the towel. The church is God's people. We do, we each have a part uh, to accomplish in, in, uh, for God's glory to be considered faithful. And it doesn't take much. It takes being who God created you to be. Don, come on up. Don Bland is, is going to share a testimony of how God has used him how he responded to the voice of God. And uh, Don, you have 10 minutes, because I went a little longer. You have to go shorter then. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Don Bland, you'll you hear what he, he does and did and all that. So, Does the mic work? Yes, it does. Good morning, everyone. Let me share with you a little bit about what's going on over the last six months of my life. Um, I want to start off uh, sharing some scripture verses that pertain to what I want to share with you all today. Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this very thing, that he who begins a good work in you will carry, on, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And uh, Colossians three seventeen, And whatever you do in the word or deed... Do it all in the name of the Lord, Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. In the middle of October 2020, I was approached about working for the McPherson Housing Coalition, about being a, um, a project manager. They wanted 10 tiny homes built. The lot was down on South Oak, just south of the fire department. I wrestled with the idea for several weeks, and due to some unrelated stress issues during that time, well, I developed some health, well, I went into the hospital. Barb took me there one night to Lindsberg, and then they took me to Salina Regional. And I was laying there in the hospital wondering, why am I here? What's, what's going on? The, the experience God was just trying to get my attention. I laid there thinking, am I going to get out? In a few days, the doctors released me. There was no side effects. And I went home. I realized God got my attention. He wanted me to build these tiny homes. 
I accepted the request to come on board and design the homes for the homeless in McPherson. Within a couple of days, I received a call from a friend of mine from Colorado. He was coming through to Wichita, and he wanted to come see us. We haven't seen him in about 40 years. And uh, we talked for a little while about what I was going to be doing, what I had been doing in the insurance world. And uh, he said, uh, I'll come see you. We'll talk. When he got there, we talked about the software that I needed, and he that I needed to use to draw the floor plans and the site plans of the houses. He said, you know, I happen to have that on my computer out in my car. So the next couple of days, we drew the plans and come up with an idea that would work. Um, I presented it to the McPherson Housing Coalition. They liked what we drew up. It fit the plan. Then ultimately, it was approved by the city. We asked God for direction for the next step. It was agree, um, and agreed it was time to reach out to the McPherson community, to the businesses, the banks, individuals, contractors, to find out who would be interested in partnering with us to build these houses down on South Oak. Here are some of the responses we were, uh, we were received with great excitement, and we signed our first financial partner. It was the first part of December. With this affirmation, I knew I needed to reach out to other businesses and other construction uh, fellows of friends of mine that I've had for 27 years. Not knowing the best way to do this, I just start out every morning asking God for guidance for direction, I ask him to protect whoever I might meet that day, whoever might call me. Um, ask them for a blessing on their business or their family. Uh, while we start out on what's now called Oak Harbor Cottages. The second contact I made with was, was with Jance Lumber. They were so excited to hear about this mission field right here in McPherson. They jumped at the idea with donations and discounts. Numerous other individuals have come forward with donations and offers of labor after seeing our website and seeing our storyboards like you see out here in the lobby. And they've taken those brochures and I've received calls. I met with a uh, precision dirt work, Roger Bayshore, in regards to earthwork. He was working on a house right next door to me out north of town. And I went over and talked to him and I said, I'm going to be doing this project here on, in McPherson on South Oak. Would you be interested in doing, uh, helping us out with digging the footings, the foundations, leveling the lot, and told him what we as McPherson Housing Coalition was about. He said, yes, I'm very excited. I'll join you. Well, anyway, in the last few, uh, last uh, week and a half, the, found the, the lot has been graded and the foundations and the footings were dug. I asked him, who would you recommend that would help us out for maybe the foundations? He provided a name, I made a contact, went over to their office, talked to them, and they were very excited about what we were going to be doing. They agreed, they offered to partner with us, and the foundations uh, the the, the uh, footings were poured last Friday morning. Uh, 
Stem walls will be poured tomorrow, weather permitting, or uh, set up tomorrow, formed tomorrow, weather permitting. Okay. When I talked to this gentleman before he agreed, he was so excited, he made some phone calls, and he called me and said, guess what, I've got the rebar, I've got the wire ties, I've got mesh, it's being donated to us to give to you guys, and it's being delivered to McPherson. Wow, very excited about that. Um, the phone calls were so incredible, so many. Uh, we knew this was of the Lord, it was just, Every day I'd go in and share with Chris, what's new today? And I'd share another list of stories, and she got excited. I received a contact from someone who worked at Star Lumber. They gifted us with uh, two sets of rafters for the first two houses. Um, I even talked to Harold Seltzer, one of our own guys right here, to see how he was doing. And then he said, I got 10 loads of dirt. Do you need the dirt we could put around the foundations and on the project? I said, yes. So we got that coming our way. These kind of calls were coming in every few minutes, it seemed like, for two months. My, I was just on the cell phone all the time. Uh, I spoke here on a Monday night uh, a few months ago and uh, talked about the funds we need. We needed two-by-fours, we need an OSB board, we need the lumber for the houses. People all came up and signed up with us and uh, helped us with those items. So immediately I went to the lumber yard and bought those things before the price went up any higher because two-by-fours are, you know, last check, about 10 bucks a piece. Um, anyways, um, I went out and talked to Graincraft, Headland Electric, Great Plains Credit Union, got those folks to partner with us for some, some funds. Um, let's see. Uh, one day I was in the Jants, and I was working on the, uh, the list that Tony had made for us, and one of our guys came up to me and wanted to know what I was doing. I hadn't seen you for a while. I said, well, I'm, getting, I'm partnering with the McPherson Housing Coalition. I'm going to be building these 10 tiny homes. I explained to him what I was doing. I explained to him how people were stepping forward, uh, hearing the mission, hearing God call, and he got all excited. And he said, good luck with you. I, pre I think this is a great thing. A week later, I get a text message from him. He said, hey, my crew wants to partner with you in doing some interior woodwork. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Um, let's see here. Another gentleman in the community heard about us. He stepped forward and said, I have an extra bathroom shower stall. Could you use it? And I said, yes. Things like this every day just keep coming to us. Um, we can just see how God is supplying every day and he's not finished yet. We, we have got three houses underway. We got seven more to do. Um, we're going to need more material, more labor. Uh, in my 52 years as a contractor, I've never seen anything happen this fast, this amazing. Just people stepping forward. It's a, it's a God thing. God is just asking people to step up and use their resources and join with us. We got our permits, and now we're underway. I've had a number of fellows here from the church that have partners with us last week to put down some material we needed to do on the lot. I appreciate it, and thank you very much for those who know who you are. Uh, 
we still have, um, well, we've been given some interior paint and electrical supplies. We've been given some downspouts and air conditioners, kitchen cabinets and countertops. Uh, at least those for the first three houses and maybe more. God's people from other churches in the community have come to me. And they said, how can we partner with you guys? Uh, can we take on a whole house? Can we frame up something? Can we do some drywall? What can we do? Well, I met with one of my friends who's a roofer here in town. He's helped me on my projects up north of town. And I was telling him one day in our, my truck, we were having a little discussion about how I could use him on our projects. And I needed him to be available with his forklifts and things so that people wouldn't slide off of our 812 pitch roof when we start putting shingles on. And he said, you know, I'd be glad to do that. I'd be glad to build the roof, set the rafters, put the sheathing on, build the soffits and gables, and do all that for you. While we were doing that, his son kept sticking his head in the window. He was operating a, a project down here on South Maple. And he, he approached me when Eldo and I were done talking, and he said, our church usually goes on a mission trip to Haiti. We go sometimes to Dominican Republic. But because of the pandemic, we can't go. Could we use Oak Harbor Cottages as our mission field? Could we come over and frame up a house or two? They want to take a whole house and uh, do the whole thing. I have a question for you. Yep. This is off script, but it's important. Hello. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I want you to address the purpose of the homes. I mean, why okay. are we building the homes? Okay. The homes are for the uh, no-income families in town. There'll be ladies, mostly have a couple of kids. They find them living in the, under an a abandoned building, under a bridge, abandoned car. They come into the McPherson Housing Coalition seeking help. Uh, they need a place to get a start. They need a place to get their life skills in order. Um, to, get a, to get an identity, with, get their GED. Uh, and this, these houses are being built for them to have warm water, a place to sleep while they go through the, sign, the process to uh, become productive citizens within our community and be able to go out and find a job and find their first house, uh, buy their first house or for car, first All car. Right. Because I, I think some people have concerns, man, are these homes going to be drug homes and are they going to be dilapidated within days or whatnot. Yeah. And what would you say to that? That, is a, that is a, has come up across the plate. And no, that's not going to be the issue. Uh, that's, um, there's places like that in town for the drug issues and the alcohol issue, re, rehab, but not in this place. This is a place. These are going to be nice homes. Uh, we've been donated nice siding. Um, we're going to have lawn sprinkler systems. We're excited about what is happening here and the education that these young people will get so that they can become productive in society. And there'll be house parents in one of yep. the homes too, right? Well, that's right. I call them RAs, like in college, they're resident assistants. They'll live in one of the houses. Uh, that house will have a basement in it for storm shelter. They will keep tabs on each of the families, the other nine, on a weekly basis, plus the caseworkers will work with these families as well. Um, it's, it's um, what I know, I'm in the construction end of it, but what I know of what the other half of the office does, I'm, I'm excited for what they'll do. All right. Well, let's pray. Worship team, you can come up. Um, thank you, Lord, for uh, using Don and for using um, Jamie O'Dell and, and Chris Goodson and uh, many others who are 
partnering who belong to this church, Lord, for spearheading this project, which is now being owned by our entire community. I pray, Lord, that this project will uh, shine the love of Jesus. Will, lives will be transformed because of the practical and tangible ways that they're being served, um, not only as they live in the homes, uh, but, but also to be given life skills, et cetera, during that time as well. Uh, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do, and we thank you, Lord, for the many dozens of ways that you have shown evidence of your blessing upon this. In Christ's name, amen.